As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Hello and welcome to Pot on the Tine, your go-to Newcastle United podcast, brought to you by The Athletic. Coming up on the show this week. The sky cameras come to St James's Park, but leave with Newcastle still searching for that first win of the season. The Boo Boys were out for Bruce again, but not with both barrels it seems. And we eavesdropped on The Athletic's Shearer Andy Carroll chat. What's next for the bench and basher? Hello, I'm Taylor Payne and welcome back to the podcast that just keeps ticking along. Yes, it's another episode of Pod on the Tine and joining me as always are The Athletic's Newcastle United correspondent Chris Woff and our senior writer, Mr. George Colgan. How the devil are you, chaps? Chris, have you uh, managed to figure out how to use the club's Wi-Fi yet so you can ask questions in press conferences? Or is that still beyond you? Uh, hi, Taylor. I have just a, just about worked out. Thankfully, uh, you can you can hardwire uh, in like an Ethernet cable at St. James because otherwise the, the internet is pretty crap. So I did, get, I did ask a question. I did hear the answer this time around. So yes, I am, I am tickety-boo, thank you. Just ticking along nicely. How about yourself? I'm not too bad at all. I'm all right. It's been a decent week. The sun's shining. And Mr. Sunshine himself, George Colkin, is with us as well. George, how are you? Hello to both of you. Yes, I'm sitting in exactly the same seat as I was last week. I am um, about to say the same old bollocks to the two same old people that I've been saying for weeks and weeks and months. So in if the, if the frames of reference for that is Newcastle United, then I'm doing absolutely everything that I can hope for, really, aren't I? <laughs> Absolutely. We wouldn't want it any other way, would we? I'm ticking over staying exactly where I am. So that's what more can I want? Excellent stuff. Well, The Athletic is still offering 33% off new subscriptions to podcast listeners at the minute. So get yourself over to theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod to take advantage of that special offer. That's theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod. Come on, you Maggie's. 
Right then, chops. Friday night football. Friday night saw the Sky Sports cameras rock up to St. James's Park to witness Newcastle take on Leeds in a game that was considered pivotal by fans and pundits alike. But before we get into the match proper, chaps, let's have a little chat about that Friday night football build-up. They did get some praise from a lot of fans and also from George as well uh, for hosting a discussion with a select group of supporters. And they were quite even-handed in their interview with Steve Bruce as well and their discussions on the the behind-the-scenes situation at Newcastle. What did you think of the whole Friday night football uh, fiasco, Chris? Well, I mean, George was the one who was was watching it from home. I've seen the clips on on social media and I did think that it was was good that the Mm. the supporters were actually given that voice rather than sometimes where we maybe uh, hear some pundits uh, on certain... Uh, national radio stations or TV stations or the like, and and basically they're not actually listening to what Newcastle supporters think and feel, and and obviously all Newcastle fans think and feel different things, but prominent voices within the fan base at least gives you some indication of of, of what people on the ground think, and sort of see Carragher and uh, and Gary Neville interviewing fans just outside uh, Nine Bar was it was great to see. And obviously George can say a bit more about exactly what was said within it and how it sort of came about. Well, yes, I mean I just think that instead of instead of people on on the TV and radio saying, Well what is it that Newcastle fans actually want? I mean I don't get it. Steve Bruce is doing a great job. Um people actually took the time to bother asking Newcastle fans what it is they want. Wow, amazing. And 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 fun, funnily enough, you you then get the answer. So and of course, as Chris says, you know, you're talking about thousands and thousands of people and, you know, there are all shades of of opinion, but there was an attempt to try and put into context what the feeling is at the moment around the club and why, you know, why Leeds were seen as sort of important and so on and so forth. And I just, you know, I just think that's really important. Sort of sort of sort of pretending you don't know or not understanding make an effort to understand and you know as you would expect and hope when um our 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 fans are talked to they they come across very very well very articulate um represented by um by you know certainly by by a couple of friends of of, of this podcast in Alex Hurst and Thomas Concanon um and others and they just you know they just explained what it's been like watching the football what it's you know like having an ownership that's checked out and what what it's like Having a manager in Steve Bruce who, you know, so often doesn't doesn't chime with supporters in terms of a what he says and b b then what he does in terms of the team and it was just very refreshing and and they listened and you know that's what you want you don't just want pundits to tell you what you think I want you know I want I want them to be informed and. And informative, yeah. and you know Neville and Carragher, to their great credit, I mean they've been brilliant on, you know Monday Night Football and 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 stuff like that over the years, and genuinely have added to the gaiety of the nation and 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 to to, to the way that we think about football and look at football. But it's just great for them to to listen and kind of be part of the conversation in in that sense. So no, all credit to them, and and certainly all credit to the to the fans that took part. Good stuff. Yeah, it was excellent. And, uh, you know, it's it's really nice to hear them asking fans. You know, it's revolutionary, isn't it? Imagine that. Asking football fans what they think about football. Whatever next, George. <laughs> no, you're right. But, I mean, it's it's not something that I ever, you know, I, it's not something I ever take for granted. I mean, I think, I tend to think that, I don't mean that we're different, but, you know, we live in, we live in Newcastle. Um, and, you know, certainly I've been watching the, 
you know, used used to make me laugh when sometimes the paper I w- used to work for it was like a Lond- London-based broadsheet and stuff like that because the person that reported on them was someone who's lived was lived in the you know has lived in the city mm. or lived in the yeah. northeast all my life and so I kind of and you know I've got friends and family who go or who've decided to walk away or, you know, both and things like that. So it's kind of very easy for me to sort of tap into that because I'm feeling it every day and I'm around it every day. But nothing nothing boils the piss more rapidly and with greater violence than when people claim not to understand what it is that fans want because your first job should be to understand and to ask the question. Yeah, absolutely. Well, eventually some football did break out and it was a fairly fairly exciting game for the neutral. About 40 attempts on goal, all in all. And Steve Bruce's men managed to eke out a 1-1 draw and actually maybe could have won it later on as well. Winless at this stage of the season and playing against the Leeds team that, Chris, they only had one fit centre-back. Um, is, is a point good enough? If you'd have asked me before the game, I'd have said no. If you'd have asked me after 20 minutes, I'd have <laughs> laughed in your face and said there's absolutely no chance a million years Newcastle are going to get a point after this game. And then by yeah. the end of it, a point was... Probably a, a fair result, I think. Um, other than, I mean, Leeds could have been three or four nil up, but Newcastle were the better side in the second half. I think that once they shifted the formation, which we'll go on to in a bit, I think that Leeds never really adjusted after that. But the fact that it's five games without, well, six games in all competition, but five Premier League games in, Newcastle only have two points. That that is that is the concern there, and they've now played Leeds, Southampton, and West Ham at home. And they've only taken two points from those games. They obviously didn't take anything at Villa and then, and then at Man United as well. So you go into these next two matches against Watford and Wolves and just with no form whatsoever, still unsure how you're going to find that way to a victory. And so really no Newcastle needed a win. But in the context of how the game unfolded, I think that a point was was certainly, as I say, after 20 minutes, I just couldn't see how that was going to be an eventuality. Yeah, I mean, it was two two teams, no defence, was it? And and it was like a basketball game. It was back and forwards for the first sort of for the first thirty five forty minutes, and it was breakneck pace. Uh, Chris, you've uh, you've been involved in a, a stat based article as well with Mark Carey recently. What was all that about? Yeah, so last week we were sort of looking at this was this was pre Leeds, uh, the point when Newcastle had conceded twelve goals in, in in four games. So Mark Carey and I sort of looked at at the defence and why Newcastle had the worst defence at that stage in the Premier League and just looking at all the statistics and the, the fact they've only kept four clean sheets in 2021, three of them are against teams who were relegated, two, two of them were sort of back-to-back at the end of last season. They're just the, defensively over time, season on season under uh, Steve Bruce, the defence has been regressing in terms of that they're conceding more and more goals and that has only upticked even further this season and and that's the issue Newcastle have at the moment that they've scored they've twice scored two goals at, at home and didn't win either of those two games they're just if if you're a team like Newcastle and part of the reason why in theory before they were playing a five-man defense was to try and keep the opposition out but at the moment they're just all over the place and so teams are getting loads of opportunities leads in the first half an hour the amount of times they got in behind Matt Ritchie on one side, the amount of times they went through the middle and the gaps. I mean, there was the same move three times against Newcastle on Friday night, which was Rafinha would break in down the right, get to the byline, the defence would then rush back, and then there'd be a massive gap at the edge of the box, and, and Rafinha would pull it back. And uh, I think there was at one point where Click shot wide, and there was a couple of other Phillips shot wide with exactly the same effort, and you just it was the same mistakes over and over and over again, and that is the real concern with Newcastle because they don't look like scoring enough. They they are scoring goals, but they don't like scoring enough to combat the fact that they are just conceding far too many. 
Can I, can I say something? I mean, I'm going to make a very, very facile point. But if Newcastle are going to be shit, then I prefer them to be shit in this... I prefer this kind of shit than last season's shit. I mean, I suppose is what I'm saying. You know, actually, a game of basketball, I prefer to watch a game of basketball than, than the football that Newcastle plays. Oh, absolutely. So, so, but again, I realise that's a very facile point. And I'll... Um, I am very concerned about the fact that they're not winning games, and you know, as Chris says, if they if they don't if they don't win these games, where do they win? How do they win? I mean, who do they, who do they beat? Norwich, Norwich, probably, but that's um, you know, that's only because Norwich are even worse than Newcastle are. Um, but it's <laughs> yeah. it's it is pretty it is alarming. I mean, I people people are sort of saying on Twitter, "Oh, this is it really exciting." It's like, no, it's not. It's terrifying. It's absolutely terrifying seeing them get torn into like this and all the space that they're leaving and all the same kind of stuff. But um Steve Bruce enjoyed yeah. it though. Yeah, well that's Oh good, good. I'm glad. I'm, good. I'm pleased. I'm pleased. Nice from have a nice Friday night out, isn't it? Half time I was feeling it could have been it could have been a lot worse, but you know. So yeah, that was just it was a very juvenile point, but Anyway. That's okay. I was going to say, Chris, I mean, you can prove anything with stats these days, can't you? But overwhelmingly at the minute, you can use them to prove that Newcastle are shit. <laughs> yes, yes, you certainly can, <laughs> uh, unfortunately. Um, yeah, and there was there was a little bit of animosity in the crowd towards the manager, wasn't there? But, I mean, I, I, let's be honest, we were probably expecting it to be a lot worse, especially after, you know, the doomsday scenario, Leeds go 1-0 up with 75 possession after 20 minutes. I think... You know, I think we were expecting worse than that. Uh, and Chris, you sort of wrote from you wrote about this from the press box, and Michael Walker uh, wrote about it from the the point of view of the strawberry corner as well. And and what what was that feeling like inside the ground when when Leeds went one nil up? Because I think I think it kind of wasn't as bad as what I thought it was going to be. Yeah, it was a really really strange atmosphere on Friday night. And initially, the plan was actually that I was going to be in the press box, and, and George was going to be in the strawberry corner. But poor Ben was was ill on Friday, so we had to have. Uh, Michael Walker. We we I was going to say we sub, we had a substitute, but basically we we bas- we had an improvement on who would have been there, and so George oh, was George Jesus was benched. Chris, all right, and, uh, <laughs> oh, kick a man while he's down. I've had a t- I've had fired a, there. Oh my god, I've had a horrible cold. Basically, I woke up after the Great North Run, and I was just full of cold, and I've been full of cold all week. But no, it was sort of my idea. But uh, yeah, annoyingly, Chris and Michael sort of delivered it very well, which I was a bit pissed off about. <laughs> oh, George, come on, now. but jealousy, jealousy will get you nowhere. I was gonna, I was gonna sit in the strawberry corner, um, and so to be, be, be part of it and all that. I, I, from, I mean, it, it, it was obviously pretty, pretty noisy throughout. I mean, you could hear it coming through over the telly. It never quite. I mean, I, there, there are two things. I mean, firstly, I do always think that there is this tendency, particularly at Newcastle, when everybody it's building up to be this massive massive thing waiting for it yeah I think exactly people i think people take a step back at that point and sort of think well you know th- th- there's almost that sort of thing about not wanting that i'm not using the word disloyalty but it's not it's not not doing this in public you know it is this on was similar to what you were talking about last week where you were talking about them not not wanting to kind of air your dirty laundry in yeah public, i like. think <laughs> i i just think it and but the other thing the other thing is that I think the game was almost too chaotic, too chaotic, even for Newcastle. You know, so in other words, if Leeds had scored that goal and it had been one-way traffic, and um, you know maybe they got a second, then it would have built up and built up and built up. But because it was that stupid basketball thing, it sort of seemed, from my perspective, it seemed to just suck away some of that. 
um, sort of atmosphere because it was too sort of engrossing as a sort of daft end-to-end. I mean, Leeds, I mean, I know that they only had one centre-half and I know they've not started the season, um, you know, very well in terms of results and performances compared to last season. But my God, they're still a good team. They're still, there's just astonishing the way they play. It is breakneck, isn't it? The thing about the atmosphere was that there, there was that, and I think that you're right that that there was oh, people were almost distracted because there was so much going on on the pitch, and the you also have to remember we have to remind ourselves that a lot of the I suppose the most angry supporters have already walked away for a start, so I think there's always there's still that element where they're not necessarily in the ground, but it, it was also strange in that you would have sort of pockets of uh, chance about that that we want Brucey out or talking about his Sunderland links and, and the likes of that. And then in the next breath, it would be encouragement towards the team. It would be songs about the team or Sam Maximan would do something and then there would be positivity. So you could see, because because Newcastle weren't so far behind that they were completely out of the game, I think that fans didn't want to fully turn in that sense. And so it was there were, it, there were some loud moments at some point. There's absolutely no doubt about it. And it was certainly Gallagher Corner and, and the Gallagher in general was, was where the majority, at least that I could hear, of the, of the anti-boost sentiment came from. And it, and it came, as I say, it came in waves almost throughout the game. Um and at different various different levels but fans wanted to stick behind the team and they desperately wanted them to get a positive part. I think it was the same at Man United last week in terms of the fans didn't turn until the game was really out of sight and then that's when they turned in the in the way box so so the this idea that it negatively affects the team I don't think it is negatively affecting the team fully because there is still that positivity and fans are trying to show that positivity and it's the issue they've got is with the ownership and, and with the manager in general. It's not with the team. They are sticking with the team. And so it's a very strange dynamic and it's it's hard to explain unless you're in it, in the stadium at that point because, as I say, it comes in waves and it comes at different levels out of the game. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Chris, as well, how many times this week did you did you read the word or hear the word toxic used about the atmosphere at St James Park and what it could potentially become if things didn't go right? Everyone was saying if it didn't go right, the atmosphere was going to be toxic. Bruce would have real bother on his hands, you know. Um, and again, like through the week, the manager had put his foot in it a little bit in pre-match press conferences, talking about the club ticking along and he wishes he had better players and all this sort of stuff. But I don't think that atmosphere ever got to that point where it became that word toxic, which is what we'd heard all week. So, I mean, did... Did Steve Bruce add to this at all with those comments during the week, or was that? Do you think people weren't really that bothered about that? 
So the comments that, that you're referring to, uh, which very amusingly, and I did not hear these at the game, but Michael Walker being in the stand, this is why it was good having someone in the press box in the stand, was uh, that the chant from Newcastle fans was, we're Newcastle United and we're ticking along. And that was in reference to Steve Bruce talking in the pre-match press conference and he was basically asked about his position and what almost what his remit is at the club at the moment to which he responded with I hope I can keep the club just ticking along and make sure that the club stays where it is and we maintain our Premier League status and essentially like a substitute be- teacher isn't he he's, <laughs> he's like a substitute teacher who's been drafted in to the unruly class who, who need looking after until their exam time you know I'll just keep them ticking along until they are exams well, God almighty I mean it, how it, inspiring it was it, we've we've <laughs> sort of moved beyond the point where I suppose a year or 18 months ago where it was all about progress and at one point actually Steve Bruce part a question that was worded on this ticking over afterwards where the follow-up was basically uh when you talk about ambition and things like that and he actually responded and said I didn't mention ambition which was which was strange in itself but what he's trying I think to explain is that basically he's trying to now lower expectations and to try and show that this is the this is basically Newcastle haven't really progressed in, in, over the course of the time that he's been here they don't look likely to because he didn't get the, the players that, that he wanted during the summer and I think he's just trying to basically uh, sh- say that in the position that we're in we're doing alright in that sense and uh, although I can sort of empathise with him to a certain extent as to where he's come from from there it's just it's it, it sort of just crystallises the reasons to why why Newcastle fans some Newcastle fans just think well why are we bothering why are we bothering if this yeah, is just exactly. the same all, of, yep. all the time I know George had a slightly different opinion on it, and I can see where he's coming from on this as well, George. You thought that you, you actually thought it was not refreshing, but you thought it was good to actually no, hear the Manchester um, Oh my God, it's about as refreshing as last year's. What? I don't know. Last year's what? Fill Christmas in, dinner. In. It's about as refreshing as last year's Christmas dinner, Taylor. Um, but. Um, but it's honest. But it's actually, but it's actually honest. It's it's the stuff that we've you know that we've been saying. It's the stuff that fans been saying. It's like, come on, this isn't a club that's trying to get better. This isn't a club that's pushing for the top eight, top six. This isn't a club that's doing anything other than you know it's that phrase existing to exist. And at least Steve Bruce has come out and said it. Now I cannot, for a moment, imagine uh, believe that the people above him are happy that he said it. But it's true. This is what the club is doing. They've made that. They've made it's 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 been the case for years. Come on, it's been this way the whole time under Mike Ashley, hasn't it? You know, it just has. But at least he's come out and said it. And they've just gone through a transfer window when they've made one permanent signing, and and you know that's it's it's a matter of fact. The club have taken a they've taken a gamble on that being enough and that being good enough. They're not straining for anything. They're not striving for anything. It's unusual for the manager to actually come out and admit that. Um, but he has, and I think at least at least that's honest. It's not it's not an honest it's not an honesty that any of us want to hear, but it just it completely chimes it completely chimes with what most of us think. I mean the dangerous thing is, what the bloody hell does that do for players? I mean you know, suddenly, you, I mean, Joe Willock's just joined the club and signed a long-term contract, and now his manager's talking about ticking over and being where the same place where they were this time, you know, this this time last year, whatever. You know, it's like this the 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 foundations of the whole thing start to shake at this point. But it's it's accurate. It's accurate. You could put you could put like two or three things after that and keep them ticking over, and then dot dot dot. 
until we get relegated or until we get taken over or yeah. <laughs> until Mike yeah. Ashley pisses off or yeah. until I get the sack. You know, it's that's basically yeah. what it is, isn't it? We're just it's like a choose your own adventure game. That's what it is at the minute. It's let's see what happens. Yeah. Take over until until something happens. Uh but Chris, back to the football. There was a slightly positive response from Newcastle though after Leeds went one nil up and it looked as though the five three two was abandoned again. Um now we who had um, <laughs> Here we go. who had five three two abandoned bingo? Who had the Leeds game on their on their bingo sheet for that? Four and a third games in. Four and one third games into the season, we have abandoned our tactical uh, approach to the to the season. Fantastic stuff. Um, are Bruce and Jones looking to change things up tactically, Chris. Do you think this is going to be something which which is going to change for the long term now, or is, was it just a, a response to what was happening in the game? Well, it's going to be interesting to see how Newcastle line up at Watford because. We, I mean, we spoke about this. I think Taylor, you and I spoke about this in the very first podcast back this season, and that the enti- Newcastle's entire policy in the transfer market. Yes, they didn't sign all the players they wanted to in the end, but was basically driven about the, around the fact they were going to play with five three two. They'd played it since after the Brighton game, the three 0 loss in March. They've played five three two throughout. It worked towards the end of last season, and so it was almost like we're sticking with it because it's worked. They did it before that with the. Uh, with the formation with the split strikers and then it, it came to this and we'd said at that point that even people in the round the club said we're concerned because as soon as this goes wrong yeah they'll probably get binned well half an hour into the game against Leeds Newcastle changed the formation they went to more of a 4-3-3 Isaac Hayden who again was playing as a right centre-back was moved into his natural position of a defensive midfielder and suddenly looked like a far better player playing that position. Newcastle looked more comfortable, and so had a bit of a tussle with Mike Dean, though, didn't he? In that position, <laughs> he did. Yeah, Mike Dean did, did his level best to try and did foul a good job on him, didn't he, Mike Dean? That was that was fantastic. Bit of Macaulay style spoiling in the middle of the park there. Just, but I mean, sorry, Chris, go on. I I have had reservations about the formation for a while, and I, and I do think that it needs a refresh and needs a change. My concern is, and Steve Bruce even sort of intimated, because I asked him about this after the game, and he sort of intimated that the reason they'd stuck with 5-3-2 was because of results, was one of the things that he said within it, and that's been the way almost throughout his tenure as manager. And it's it, this idea that... 4-3-3 worked against Leeds, but it worked against a Leeds side who are chaotic and that there is space everywhere. Is 4-3-3 the answer going forward in future games? It might be. I'm not saying that it isn't. I just think it needs to be, rather than it just worked for the best part of an hour against Leeds to get Newcastle back into that match, is it the actual thought process of this is what we're going to switch to going forward? And I'm sort of writing a piece looking at formations in this for, to, to go up later this week, but... Will Will at Watford on Saturday? Is he going to go back to five three two? I'd be surprised if he goes back to five three two because of the fact that it looked like Newcastle had more energy playing four three three. But is that the answer going forward? I just don't quite know if it is because it isn't. It still feels that we haven't got this vision of what Steve Bruce is trying to build towards. That's the concern I've got. It's just like right, we'll, we'll use this for now because it's sort of working. It doesn't feel to me like Steve Bruce changes tactics. To, to suit the opposition or to take any account into the opposition. He changes them when Newcastle result hits such a you know bad moment or, or whatever, and then it changes like that. It seems like, I mean, you have to point out that it changed, he changed things very effectively in, For the better, in, yeah, yeah, in, in the Leeds match. So we do have to sort of say that, that it's not that he's not capable of doing that because he, because he did, and Newcastle did look so much more solid when they went... Sort of four three three again, as you say, Hayden playing in his right place in in midfield. It just seems strange that the way it seems to work is that it takes a bad result or run of results, 
and then it's changed and then that formation is stuck with there doesn't seem to be kind of fluidity in the way that these formations are played i don't know maybe that was, that was just something that i thought though well i mean we we managed to get back in the game again and and answer maximum scored a fantastic goal dribbling right across the box put me in mind a little bit of david you know that goal um it was a, it was a great goal though and he, he praise indeed it, well you know it did and, and you know i used to do that as well we'd run across defenders and they didn't know what the hell to do with it um but it was a great goal and he he seemed to be the the real spark in newcastle's uh in Newcastle's attack, and he's massively important to us. Um, Charlie J uh, on the real-time feed from the app has asked, if Sant Maximan gets injured, what is the plan? Uh, and I Panic! Think, uh, yeah, I think, yeah, run around. I think, in panic, I think that's all it is, isn't it? What do we do if Sant Maximan gets injured, Chris? Like, seriously, though. Well, that is that is the, the, the real concern. What's been refreshing so far this season about Sant Maximan is... Not only has he started all five games, he's finished all five games so far. We've had five 90-minute performances from him, which yeah, is point. crucial for Newcastle really because like far too long either Sam Maximan's been injured and out or he hasn't. he's got to about the 60-minute mark and he's looked burned out and he's, he's come off limping or looking shattered. So that is a positive. He looks fit, he looks hungry. He's, he scored two goals and provided two assists, so he's, he's far better reassured than in, in any of his previous two seasons at Newcastle. But there is a massive over-reliance on him. You remove Alan St. Maximan from the team on Friday and Newcastle wouldn't have had anything really in attack. He, he just makes them tick. He drags defenders out of position. He, he's been so much more direct, I think, this season as well. Playing through the middle, he's running towards goal, he's trying to bring his teammates into play. And him and Callum Wilson, as we've said all along, are absolutely crucial to Newcastle. And if, at the minute, they don't have Wilson and so they're relying even more heavily on Alan St. Maximan, until Wilson comes back, that they need to they need to keep Sam Maximum fit and they need to keep him in the side because I don't think that they do have many options at all. Dwight Gale didn't even come on again at the weekend. Steve Bruce was asked about him and he gave an unusual response about saying, oh, it's partly to do with the formation we've been playing. Well, that formation does have two strikers up front. It does have two players up front. So it's like, well, if he's not going to play in that formation, when is he going to play? Um, so that is that is a bit of a, a concern that Steve Bruce doesn't seem to have any faith in, in his backup strikers and therefore... Alan Sat Maximan staying fit, I think, is absolutely crucial to Newcastle's hopes this season. He's been effective, hasn't he? I mean, that's you know, we know that he's beautiful on the ball. We know that he can do amazing things. We know he's got a trick. We know he can he can do all the fancy stuff and drop his shoulders and um and beat people and things like that. But he's actually doing it in a way in the right areas and is being effective, and that's absolutely vital. Um, it's been great to see, and he has to he has to carry it on. I mean, he has to carry it on. Um, as Chris says, with no Wilson, then there is such a dearth of um, of alternatives. So, yeah, bring it on. But I mean, no, it was. I mean, he he actually. I mean, I don't want to say I've been a cynic in terms of Saint Maximan because I haven't. Because um, to go back to that beautiful Michael Chaplin phrase, the Bobby Dazzler. He has been our Bobby Dazzler for a couple of seasons, but um, yeah. for him to be do- for him to be doing it in a way that is actually making a difference in the bits of the pitch where you need him to make a difference. George, would you agree that his, his decision making's kind of got a bit better as well? I think that's part of it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's knowing when to pass the ball. It's knowing what you know. It's that it's that classic thing about you know. I'm sure we all remember Ben Arthur doing some sort of extraordinary stuff on the ball, but he would very often give the ball away and put the whole team in trouble. And that's you know that that is such a kind of key thing from 
players like that who can who can make a difference it's actually knowing when to do you know when it know when to pass when to beat your man when to give it simple when it to do that and you know it's easier said than done of course i'm making it sound very straightforward in the heat of the moment when you're running at 95 miles an hour and you've got seven people around you but no my god he was great to watch he was great to watch um against Leeds, wasn't he and yeah actually doing it not just um not not threatening it but actually doing it this episode is supported by season three of fx's welcome to wrexham celebrity owners rob McElhenney and ryan reynolds small town welsh football club has finally been promoted into league two after 15 seasons in the national league Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Right, this week saw two former Newcastle number nine sit down for a very revealing chat. Alan Shearer spoke to Andy Carroll about goals and goal scorers, a frustrating two years under Steve Bruce, and leaving Newcastle United against his will for the second time, something that he clearly found very hard to take. Obviously, it was a little bit upsetting for me that I wanted to be there, and all my family wanted me to be there, and then mm. I'm suddenly not. And it's it was hard, but like I say, it's that's what it is. You know, you just got to get on with it and. That's how the contract ran out, and just got to move on and find find elsewhere. How do you reflect on the on the two days that you that you had there at Newcastle? Um, it was it was tough. Like I say, I wanted to play more games. I would I would play, and then I would not play the next game. I would come on for the last minute of a game, and it was a bit stop start really. Mm. Um, I remember obviously we played against uh, West Ham. I think it was we we beat West Ham in the first game of the season. And probably to this day, it was probably the best game that we we played as a team. Mm. And then uh, the next game, I got took off at half time for in the Brighton game, and I never played until Christmas. Yeah. Um, and obviously that was it was disappointing as well because I think that we played really well the first game of the season and um, the Brighton game. We were obviously disappointed with the result and the performance, but I kind of it was kind of blamed on me really. I, I'm not playing again. <laughs> Did you think you'd get the number nine shirt or did you want the number nine shirt when you come back? I know Joe Linton had it. Um, I think you were probably seen as a bit of a mentor to to him. What was what was he like? And do you think the number nine shirt was a bit heavy for him? Uh, I don't even... Uh, I think, obviously, he's, the way he plays, I think he's... I actually think he's absolutely brilliant. I think um, he's probably been playing out of position as a number nine. I don't think really is a number nine. He's probably out wide. Mm. And you see him in training. He's, he 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 finishes left and right feet. He, he scores with his head. He's a, a great a great finisher, and he's 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 good. But as a number nine, uh, I think he probably knows himself. He's not really a number nine, and and that's obviously why Callum's got it now. 
I don't know whether you saw match of the day on Saturday night, but I thought uh, I thought they did all right at Old Trafford. But it was just I, I'm frustrated with the club as it has been for for a while now. I mean, I describe it as hollow and and, and empty. How do you see Newcastle United? I mean, it's hard because obviously all the lads and uh, I was in the dressing room with them, and everyone yeah. wants to do well. All the lads mm. want to do well. We want to win uh, every day. We, we try and work hard, and, and it, it, there's just something missing. I don't really know what it is, but there's something missing where we don't get the results. We don't grind them out. We didn't. They, they, they still don't. I mean, there's some games last season where we shouldn't have lost and we should have dug deep and, and won and, and had something about us where we know how to win. Mm. And I think there's some games where we shouldn't have lost that we shouldn't have drilled and we should have dominated games and, and we haven't. Mm. But it's a, it's a good dressing room in there. You feel as if there's, a, there's enough in there and there's enough ability and a, a good enough attitude for them to, to do okay again, again this season, despite yeah, a difficult I, I, start. It's a, it's a, obviously, it's been a hard start, yeah. And I think when I, I even speak to the lads now, the drive that they want and the, what they want to do as a club and, and drive forward and win games, I don't think it's, it's not there. And they've given up completely because even we, we went through troubles last season and the season before as well. Yeah. And I think the lads, the lads are together, they stick together. We have meetings all the time and um, let each other. But there's something, I don't know what it is, there's something obviously in games, you think you, you just want to get a, get a hold of the game and we didn't. Mm. Uh, where and when were you happiest in uh, in your career? Uh, well, obviously Newcastle the first time. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, 2010, um, brilliant year. Yeah, championship and then played in, when we got promoted. I think being at home with my family, my friends and, and being number nine for Newcastle, I think it was, it was everything, as you mm. know. Well, there we go. Uh, and that was just a small chunk of that conversation between Alan and Andy. Uh, the whole thing is available to read over on theathletic.com. Um, lads, a bit of a shame for Big Andy, really, isn't it? The second come was never going to live up to the glory days. But it's interesting that he says he was fit and available mostly during his two seasons he was here and he just didn't didn't seem to get on the pitch enough, George. No, and he said he was available for 40 of 43 games last season. I mean, obviously... It's in his interest now to sort of say that kind of stuff because he is looking for another club and is waiting for the opportunity to come along. He's not he's not retiring. Um, yeah, I mean, I kind of found you know that that last bit of the of that clip kind of quite sort of sad, really, isn't it? Because yeah, yeah he was you know when back in two thousand and ten when Newcastle came up and then he carried on that brilliant form in the in the Premier League and you know just absolutely bashing centre-halves to bits and scoring goals and unstoppable and unplayable and all of those things. He was a, He's one of the most remarkable centre-forwards I've seen in the flesh. And yes, I, I mean, I don't feel... I don't feel that you know we, we you know he was a shadow of himself it was an, it was an echo of of that sort of stuff when he came back his body was obviously sort of very different i mean from his perspective he didn't get a lot of chances i don't think it, i mean i don't think it's a travesty of justice that um that he's not at newcastle anymore i hate the fact that he feels sort of disappointed and disillusioned by the way he left and i think that's you know that's typical of a lot of people who are at Newcastle and leave. I mean that's just the way things happen. But um, it's it's a fact that if he'd stayed, I mean you would have you would have you would have put money on him coming on on 
on Friday night against Leeds because because of the lack of options Newcastle still have. So Absolutely. he would have been getting game time um, if he'd stayed with Wilson with Wilson sort of um, being out. And I mean, he says he thinks he sort of made a difference when he did come on. Uh, kind of last season that the dynamics of the game changed and things like that he pointed out the Tottenham game when Newcastle ended up drawing and he headed the ball against somebody's hand didn't he um, Eric Dyer's hand and it wasn't a it shouldn't have been a penalty but things you know things changed and he obviously wanted to come on more and uh, more often and more more regularly again I don't think I'm not I don't feel like that's a sort of travesty that he didn't because we were talking a lot at you know at the time that when he did come on Newcastle would just look so very static but they certainly didn't you know they certainly didn't make the most of him and um you know in the same way that they they're not built to make the most out of Jalinton I don't think they're kind of built to make the most out of anybody really I mean I think that's one of the problems about the about the club I don't know what you think but Chris, he made, he made that point of he mentioned the West Ham win uh, at the start of last season, and and you know while Andy wasn't awfully much of a goal threat was he last year? He did give us some, like you say, like George says, a different dimension. He kept defenders honest, and would he have been useful enough to have an asset to keep on the payroll this season? Well, the fact that they haven't replaced him, then yes, and this is even before you take into account the fact that they didn't sign the players that Steve Bruce wanted because they weren't strikers. I mean, Bruce was asked directly during pre-season whether he felt he had enough forward options and he said that he excuse me he felt that he did but he I mean Newcastle have fewer options in attack this season than they did last season and, and I agree with all of the I, I sort of would have liked to have seen an upgrade on, on the Andy Carroll of now this summer I would have liked to have seen a different option come in but Newcastle didn't even try to sign another forward and because it didn't then they are down another option and so yeah I think it would have been useful to have him he, he could create chaos when he came on. He, he did score the goal against Leicester, and there were a few matches, I think, it, elsewhere in the interview, references the Spurs game when Newcastle were absolutely battered away at Spurs, but then he comes on and he contributes to, to the winning of the, the penalty because he's the one who's trying to, to get up in the air, and suddenly suddenly other teams bring an extra defender back because they're worried or they move deeper because Andy Carroll's there. And so, yes, almost in a negative sense, I, th- I would have liked to have seen Andy Carroll stay because of what has subsequently happened, and that's the fact that he hasn't really replaced by anyone. Yeah, and I mean, it's you know, it's it's easy to forget, isn't it, George? Just how devastating he was on his day, and and you know, what what would you pay for a for a fully fit, fighting twenty two year old Andy Carroll in the in the current transfer market? What would he be worth now? Oh, thirty five million quid. Oh, easily. <laughs> Depends on what you're comparing him to. I mean, compared to yeah. Jalin, Jalinton. Oh my God, of course, yeah. Well, I know, yeah, and he cost. I mean, he, he, God, he was so good, though, wasn't he? He was so. I, well, the things. I mean, it's, maybe it's because this is so rare at Newcastle and has been for such a long time. You could watch him improve. You could see him improving game after game after game. He got better. And, I'm, you know, maybe a lot of that was just him, you know, developing. But you actually saw it happen. And he he did. He absolutely terrified. I mean, he, he was a throwback even then. Oh, absolutely, yeah. You know, yeah. because we just don't have that kind of player. Um, but... Physic, you know, that you know, very reminiscent of sort of the Duncan Ferguson type. And one of the one of the things I loved in the interview with 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 Alan, which I was very lucky to to listen in to, he was at, in fact I might have asked him right, right at the very end, sort of how much he'd had to adapt his game because obviously you know Shearer had to um, 
Shearer had to adapt as he got older and his legs went and he became far more static and he was reliant on other people doing his you know doing his running and so he he had to change and the the thing that Carol said about that which I kind of found in some ways you know moving but you know kind of sad really he sort of said oh yeah yeah you know it's like Sam Allardyce said that to us he said you know you, you've got to change you don't need to go for that ball you don't need to go for every ball and he said he had no he didn't know how to do that and he said on the one hand he's right I know that he was right it's like if the ball is there I don't have to go to it go for it or you know I don't have to give a hundred percent for that particular challenge I could give less and he says I didn't know how to do that I only ever knew was to go for every ball and to give it a hundred percent and that's probably why he's been injured I mean you know that or that you know that might that might very yeah, well be a it. correlation not knowing how to manage you manage yourself but then again at the same time 100% Andy Carroll was extraordinary I mean absolutely extraordinary um so yeah I found that very kind of I found that quite sad really he was that player wasn't he though and I love these type of players where all of they cared about was getting that ball into the net and it was if I have to take everything in the stadium with me to get it into that net, <coughs> St John's ambulance man, hot dog stand, you know, referee, everything's going in there and I'm making sure the ball goes in the net. And he, he was just a human battering ram, wasn't he? Astonishing to watch on his day. Absolutely incredible. Right then, up next for Newcastle uh, is a cheeky little visit down to Vicarage Road uh, <laughs> on Saturday for a 3pm kickoff against Watford. Um, we've had a couple of questions. One of them was the, do we think we'll stick with four at the back for Watford? And we mentioned this earlier on, Chris. Uh, do you think Bruce is likely to change things up technically or do you think we'll just stick with uh, with good old faithful 5-3-2 and see what happens? Yes, yeah, so this is a question from Aaron W. So, Aaron, I do think that he'll change to a four-man defence. Um, just, just the way that Newcastle gained a bit of momentum doing it. The way, just speaking when he spoke after the game. I mean, what he did say, to be fair, and Bruce, what he said is that we need to have more than one system and be able to change. And I've said for a while I want to change between having a four and a five. But I think going to Watford go into a team where Newcastle really need to win. Watford obviously had a very po- had a positive result against Norwich at the weekend. I think just because Newcastle looked so much more comfortable when they or at least more balanced when they shifted to that, I think he will move to it at the weekend, at this weekend with the I'll just put my proviso out there again. I think they looked partly so comfortable in it because they were against a Leeds team who did not adapt to them and a Leeds team who were expecting to play the five-man defence and didn't change because of that. I don't think it'll be as easy to do that from the start against Watford, but I, w- I think I would change it, whether it's to the same formation, or at least I would I would change to a four-man defence, I think. They just looked more comfortable there, and suddenly there were less players out of position, it felt. It was great seeing Hayden back where he should be playing and you know throwing himself into tackles and, and clearances and things like that, and I just thought... Yeah, I, I, my my concern with the other system is that it's just been found out from the end of last season, and you know the two wing backs, who aren't really wing backs and things like that. So I I I think they will stick with it. My, you know, as I said before, my my problem with Steve Bruce and formations is that he he seems to sort of stick to them until Newcastle get beaten, and then it's like starting all over again. And I'm not sure that's very sustainable. But anyway, I've thought that for a long time. <laughs> 
Well, in terms of the result, uh, it kind of feels like Steve Bruce might have might have ridden out the storm and had a bit of a stay of execution for a few weeks with as far as the the fans are concerned. But, you know, the fans will want at least a point for Watford, won't they? And uh, the response to that will be interesting, to say the least. Um, final quick question um, from Callum K. Uh, before we finish up. Uh, who are we playing in the EFL Cup this week? Couldn't see us in the draw, <laughs> despite not losing to Burnley. You should be all over this, George. Who are we playing? Yeah, I'll just have to check. I'll have to check the fixtures. Well, maybe we've just retired undefeated. Maybe that's the way. Of, maybe that's the new, should be the Newcastle way. Got moving Retained forward. Retained the belt. Exactly. Let's not expose ourselves Definitely to not. humiliation further down the line. Let's just retire from the EFL Cup undefeated. Lovely. You don't want to be exposing yourself, do you, Chris? Absolutely not. That's the last thing you want. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Just time now uh, to slow down your heart rates and dip your toes into the pool of tranquility, uh, which is reasons to be cheerful. Any reasons to be cheerful, chaps, after Friday night's chaos, George? We're still persevering with this nonsense, are we? Um, Apparently so. Well, I will... I can bring the quiz back if you want, George. No, 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 no. Right, well, shut your face and get on with it then. Let's let's do it the Steve Bruce way. Let's stick with this until it's gone way beyond the point of tenability. Then we'll bring the quiz back. Stick with that until I've lost (laughs) ten in a row. Then we'll go back to reasons to be cheerful. Yeah. Or we could just do reasons to be, I don't know, pissed off. Well, that's just a podcast, isn't it? That's fine. Right, reasons to be cheerful. I will mention Gillington. We heard Andy Carroll talk about what a brilliant finisher he is. Uh, not sure I can see that from what I've seen over two and a bit years. But I did think he played very well against Leeds. I mean, apart from the obvious bit, um, which was not shooting very well. But he... Oh, that miss. Oh, oh no, I know. But he... And, and so normally I wouldn't I wouldn't normally say this because I, I, I do think that the shooting bit is the most important. But... I do think he made a positive contribution to the team, and I think without him they would have struggled. He he did have some physicality. He uh, he, he he put himself about. I think I think he offered himself, and I think he caused Leeds some problems. So I I will I will say him because I've given him certainly I've given him a lot of stick. I mean not because I think he's a terrible human being. Um, I blame the club for this 100%. I don't blame him for it, but um, I thought he actually played very well. So I'm going to say John Linton is a reason to be cheerful. Chris, how about you? Yeah, I'm not quite as positive on the Joe Linton front, but I'm so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna necessarily fully. Oh, you're agree with so there. negative. You're so negative. <laughs> I, I was scraping the barrel there. I mean, I was absolutely. It was a barrel, and I was scraping it with my fingernails, and that's what I, I came up with. I do agree that he was better, but I still think relative. <laughs> that's almost relative. Well, the, uh, I, this, I just I, I just think there is more to come from, and that is the frustration I still have with Joe Linton. Is I do actually think there is more to come from him. So I, I I'll say that as a positive, but my my positive <sighs> would be the. Would be the obvious one, and that would be uh, Alan Sat Maximan. And I do think that I agree with what George said earlier. There were points, certainly towards the start of last have season. Have I not already said him? Have I, have I not already said him in this segment this season? You can't just repeat. I mean, I could have done that. That's just that's too easy. We've done a yeah, big but thing George, on him. George, when he is the only reason to be cheerful, that's going to get repeated. <laughs> I did. I, I did like it when he said on he said on Twitter because Shearer said, "What did he said? GT." F I Alain Saint Maxima and clappy hands. Something Get like that. Fin. I can't think. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And he said, Thank you, but what does G T F I mean? 
Um, so he didn't understand that. So a lot of people then replied with what it was. I was going to, I was trying to think of like an alternative GTFI that somehow would have kind of characterised Newcastle. Greg's Friday. Gosh, terrible football, isn't it? Yeah, but I couldn't think of. Maybe I should have done that. Anyway, just just to quickly finish my point. No, no, no. The reason I'm the reason. I'm positive about him. Is that it? Look, he looks focused. He looks determined at the moment. He looks like he has a point to prove, and he wants to be the player who is going to make the difference for Newcastle. And that's crucial because he is the only player they have with Calmwell's not into at the moment who will make a difference. So at Watford, if Newcastle can get the ball to him on the break in decent positions. I think he gives Newcastle a real opportunity. It's going to be him and Ishmael Asara obviously going to be the two players. Everyone's going to be talking about going into this weekend. Two players who've started the season very, very well and who I think are going to be crucial to both sides' chances. So let's just hope that Alan Sartre Maximans, the player, comes out on top in that individual battle, even though I know they're not directly playing against one another. But you know what I mean. Absolutely. We do. Absolutely. Well, for me, reason to be well, unbeaten in the cup. I think that's a reason to be cheerful. Yeah, great. Uh, we're not Norwich. That's that's quite a good one. Uh, and also, 20 years ago this week, Roy Keane tried to intimidate Alan Shearer and failed spectacularly. And that's always worth watching. Yeah. On YouTube, if you get the chance, uh, and do, do you know the story behind this? I, I saw Alan Shearer in a in a football in a talk in a while ago, and he told the story about that incident. And apparently, the reason that Roy Keane lost his marbles and flipped so spectacularly was because when he threw the ball at Alan Shearer and it hit him in the back of the head, Alan Shearer turned around and said to Roy Keane, "Would you like me to sign that for you, son?" And that was the point. <laughs> When the rage hit. Uh, anyway. That's just beautiful. That is just beautiful, <laughs> beautiful football pettiness. I love that. That's just what I want. I just want petty pettiness all the time. Gorgeous. Right. That's it, chaps. We'll be back next week for another episode of Pod on the Time. Thanks a lot, Chris and George. Take care of yourselves. Have a lovely week. And thanks to everybody at home for ticking along with us. Bye for now. Athletic. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub an official partner of The Athletic.